The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. On this week's Court TV podcast, we're off to Florida, where eight years ago, retired police captain Curtis Reeves claims he was justified in shooting and killing Chad Olson after Olson threw a bag of popcorn at him in a movie theater. The entire incident was caught on camera and witnessed by other theater goers, including an off-duty police officer. Court TV's Ted Rollins joins me to discuss the ins and outs of what is certain to be a headline-grabbing trial. This is the Court TV Podcast with Vinnie Politan. I'm Vinnie Politan. Thank you so much for downloading the Court TV Podcast. Great to have you aboard. Um, There is a trial that we are covering at Court TV that I don't know if I ever thought we would ever cover. And it's not because, oh, we shouldn't cover this case. It's because of how old this case is and how long it has taken to bring it in front of a jury. I'm talking about a case. Curtis Reeves is the defendant. He was 71 years old at the time, and he was in the movie theater and gets into an an argument about um, a man who was sitting in in the row in front of him who was texting. And this isn't during the movie. This is before the movie starts, but he's texting, maybe during previews. And they get into an argument. Um, Reeves goes to the manager um, and then comes back from the manager. And there's and the argument continues. And it gets to the point where um, Chad Olson, who is the man who's there out on a date with his wife, they have a young baby at home. They finally get a night off. He was actually texting the, the babysitter. And the argument gets heated. And there's video of it. But you only really see Curtis Reeves. And then at one point, you see Chad Olson's arms come into the screen as it it appears he's tossing a bag of popcorn at Curtis Reeves. And instantaneously, you see Reeves' arm go up. He fires his gun, shoots and kills Chad Olson. He's claiming self-defense. That's the basic setup. But all this happened back in 2014. Let me bring in Court TV anchor Ted Rollins. Ted, I checked my calendar. It's 2022. Am I right that it's 2022? Yeah. And uh, the defendant is now 79 years old. He was 71 when this took place. Um, He's been able to game the system and delay, delay, delay. And he's got seven years now. He's bought himself eight years at home. Um, on pod, right? Because he's not locked up, right? He's not locked up. He's 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 come walking in and out of the courtroom and has been at home playing with the grandkids, you know, having his dinner, watching TV, maybe playing golf. I don't know what else he's doing, but he's been doing that for for eight years now. Yeah, he had to do a, a, about a month in in jail because he was denied bail out of the out of the gate, but um, that was overturned. And yeah, hundred fifty thousand dollars bond and an ankle monitor. And it is one of these cases that if people. There's not in a lot of good video of it, but just the facts of it. It's a head scratcher. This is stand your ground. He was the recipient of a bag of popcorn, not a fist, but he's saying self-defense. It's a fascinating case. It really is. And here's when, when I think about what, how the argument starts, right? It's, it's someone is texting. And, and how do we get to the point where we go from, hey, can you not text to... 
you know, bleep, bleep, you bleep, bleep, you back and forth, back and forth and, and, and escalating to the point that a man pulls out a, a gun. Now he's former law enforcement too. That's the other part of this, Ted, is that I would think a, a former member of law enforcement would have a little more restraint because of all the years of training and understanding. But I, I don't know what was, what was going on in his mind um, but he has claimed stand your ground, but it's a movie theater and they're in different rows. They're not even in the same row, Ted. And and I never see Chad Olson in that video in Curtis Reeves row. I see his arm and the popcorn sort of flash into the screen for just a moment. Yeah. And, and for people that don't know, he actually takes Reeves popcorn, the defendant's popcorn, and he, he uses that. So he's hitting his popcorn into his own face. You're right. Um, it's a head scratcher when it comes to the law enforcement, but think about it. This was eight years ago. And, you know, there were certain people in, especially in the older generation that had this whole, you get off those damn phones, you, and, you know, so you could just see that he comes in. Oh, geez, look at the guy in front of us on his telephone. He won't. And they're watching the previews. Meanwhile, the movie hasn't even started yet. He gets so irate. He tells him to stop using his, phone and then he goes and tells the manager and says hey someone's got to do something about this it turns out as you said that the victim in this case chad olson was texting with his babysitter talking about about you know for his daughter and even says it he says it to um reeves he says if you although it's none of your business if you have to know i'm checking on my daughter so this is the road rage inside a movie theater that ends up with ex-cop whipping out his handgun and blowing the pop or the, the texter away. It was horrible. That's that's a great analogy, Ted. Road rage. And road rage in a theater, though. I mean, a theater is where you go to be entertained. Both of them are out there with their spouses. You should be in a in a good mood. You're going to watch a movie. And it and it turns into this. And it's and it wasn't even during the actual movie. The movie had not even started. Now, getting back to this this time, this, regardless of what the verdict is, the defendant has won already. He has won already because he's gotten these last eight years, age 71 to 79, where he's been free, where he has not been locked up, where he's been able to live uh, it's a modified life because of the ankle monitor, but I don't know how much other stuff you're actually doing, you know, in, in retirement anyway. Um, maybe he wasn't able to travel as much as he wanted, couldn't go on the cruise. I don't know if he can play pickleball with the ankle monitor. Um, I don't know if he can play shuffleboard. I have no idea. But what I do know is he's not locked up. He's not been locked up. And, and the, every day that this trial was delayed was a victory for Curtis Reeves and for Chad's widow, it was absolute torture. Could you imagine going to the movie with your spouse date night, right? You got a kid. Everybody remembers those when your kids are young. This is big. It's as big as you get. You got three, four hours by yourselves. Maybe they got a bite to eat. And then um, this happens where, and, and, and you know, the road rage thing, think about it. You, you've been in movie theaters where there is this, there's sometimes some tension The people are talking, you know, stop talking in the movie. Yes. It's the librarian. Shush. So movie theaters do have that in common sometimes with the road rage. People get 
um, inappropriately angry over activities in a movie theater, pe other people's behavior, but to pull out your gun and claim self-defense, self-defense is when you get out your gun and you say, hey, buddy, I have a gun. Please don't hurt me. This was, I'm getting out my gun because I'm going to shoot you. What's the perception there? He had a stand your ground hearing, right? So stand your ground, it's, it's a... It's a way to approach a case and it's stand your ground is not your defense in front of the jury. It's your defense in front of a judge. You try to convince a judge that as a matter of law, you had a right to stand your ground. You should be uh, immunized against prosecution, civil lawsuit, everything else. Uh, the judge denied that. So they've sort of had a mini trial on this already with the stand your ground hearing. And it, and it really um, seems to me uh, that the defense is going to point to the victim in this case as being really big and tall and intimidating, and this feeble old man uh, was scared. The thing is, eight years later, he's probably a little bit more feeble-looking, although he doesn't look super feeble, um, but he, he looks a, a little thinner, a little smaller than he did um, eight years ago. Yeah, but he's, he's not Robert Durst. I mean, he's a, he's a large man, and he's a former cop. You telling me that he was scared? If he, I mean, the the argument that he's at this movie theater and the guy that he's mad at because he's on his phone scared him so bad that he had to defend himself. Oh, what's next? Popcorn? Oh no! Is it going to be milk? Does next? I better shoot this guy. It it doesn't make any sense. It does make total sense though when you are so irate with someone and you just lose it and reach around, get your gun and shoot him and kill him. And then think, uh-oh, what did I just do? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the fact that it is popcorn, and that's the way I think that this story originally, and years ago, um, many of our listeners may remember when it all happened. It was a big, big story. And the big story because of the headline popcorn. And I think that will absolutely be used uh, by the prosecution in this case and and really kind of bring home the 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 theme that this is not self-defense this this was it was popcorn popcorn ladies and gentlemen and and to mistake popcorn for a deadly weapon or i don't know what he was doing the other fact is they're in separate rows if he had actually climbed over and was on the same row that he was and was there, that's one thing. But there's this barrier between them. And anyone who's been to a movie theater, and, I, and this is the old-fashioned theater, it's not one, I don't think it's the ones with the luxury seats that fold out that we all go to now. Uh, but traditional, I mean, that's not easy to climb over them. And it's a, it's a natural barrier between you and the people sitting in front of you. I think that's another problem for this this defendant in this claim of of self defense. Stand your ground. Absolutely, it's and and the other part of the equation, which is really going to come back to haunt the defendant, I believe, is that the movie theater is basically empty. He goes to complain. He's with his wife. Okay, you've got a texter in front of you that's bothering you. It's going to ruin your movie watching experience. Well, then move, move. And after that's what he says. He tells police. I should have listened to my wife. She says we should have just moved and we should have. Yes, of course you should have moved. And uh, it's going it, to, it is, he was in it for that fight. He was enjoying on some distorted level, the fight himself. And, uh, and that to me is proven by the fact that he goes right back 
to the seat that he was sitting in before. And that's what, what Chad's wife told me when when she described what happened. She's going to be a, a big witness on this. I had her on the show, and she talked about how after he went to the manager, he came back, and it wasn't. Oh, it should have been over, right? It, the whole thing should have been over. But he came back, and he was like, "Aha, aha! Now I got you," kind of thing, and kind of continuing this confrontation unnecessarily. It, it, and she kept saying, it just should have been over. It should have been over. We I couldn't understand why he kept egging him on and having to rub his face in it and and all of that. And it just seemed like he was maybe in a bad mood that day and, and was itching for some sort of a confrontation, which is, which is crazy, which is ridiculous, which is unnecessary. And, and there's a little child that grew up without her, without her daddy. And, and that is so incredibly, incredibly tragic in this story. But how about the testimony from, from the two wives could be key to this whole thing, Ted, um, because uh, Chad's wife kind of saw what happened, but can describe the nature of this confrontation, this back and forth. And then you've got his wife who, who you know, has to get up on the stand and tell the truth about what happened. And part of the truth is that she told we should move and she uh, was uncomfortable with it. As he started to lose his cool, she told police she'll be a she'll be a very key witness for the state of Florida, not necessarily her her husband. Um, but on the other hand, we'll have to wait and see because you never know how this is going to play out. This is eight years later. The big question is: Does Curtis get up there try to spin some tale that he was acting in self defense? That he was generally fearful for his life or great bodily harm after popcorn hit him in the face. That is really, uh, in most self-defense cases, that is the most important part of it. And inevitably, uh, they need to testify, like Kyle Rittenhouse had to testify, and he testified successfully. Others have not had as much luck uh, on court TV with self-defense. So let's do this, Ted. When we come back, this defendant, Curtis Reeves, after the shooting, just after the shooting, gave statements to the police They are recorded. We will play them for you so you can hear what he sounded like and what he said just after killing Chad Olson. I am going to kill you. The killer, you know. They were the perfect family, but never suspected. I'll find you one way or the other. Someone they knew with Tamron Hall. Premiering Sunday, March 6th, only on Court TV. What's the status on this guy? We don't know yet. We've got people down there. It's not looking good. Um, all over us, Deacon Yeah, did... Um, His wife was trying... Whoever was with him was trying to hold him back. Right. And, uh, what is he saying to you? Get out of my face. Uh, uh, I'll, I'm talking... I was, he was He was sitting there playing with it, and he, what he said to me was that he was texting his daughter. Well, he wasn't. He was, he was, he was scrolling through the menu. Uh, so... I think when I leaned over and asked him to turn his cell phone off, he told me to get the out of his face, and so I knew right away that... What about just immediately prior to the shot? What is he saying to you? Man, he's saying, uh... I think that's when he's talking about he's texting his daughter. If there was any of my 
in there three or four times. I don't care if it's in my business or I'll kick ass or it, it, whatever he was saying was was threatening. I got to be candid with you. I don't remember exactly. Okay. It was enough for me to try to look for a way out. Uh, and my wife is saying, and when I got up to go tell the manager, she said, "Why don't we just, we should have just moved is what we should have done." And she said that after the shooting. Right. And she's absolutely right. Said, That's exactly what we should have done. So, but it's something that it, when he jumped up and turned around, I didn't. It was no problem. I mean, it's just a guy being mouthy. Right. When he jumped on the seat and came over the in between the crack between the two seats, that's when he scared me. There he is, Curtis Reeves. Shortly after shooting and killing Chad Olson inside a movie theater, describing to police what just happened. Ted Rollins, Court TV anchor, still with me. Ted, what's the first thing about his statement that strikes you? What what do you think the significance, uh, what does it tell you about Curtis Reeves, about what happened that day? I just couldn't get over how calm he is. Here he has just shot and killed someone. And yes, okay, he's he's former law enforcement and he's an older dude. But uh, still, that to me, I would think he would have more energy in his voice and um, some sort of, and I'm not saying he should say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but there was none of that. There was, it was basically recounting it as though he was telling a story that happened five years ago, but, and this is within minutes or an hours of the incident. And uh, to me, that really stood out his level of comfort, uh, basically debriefing about the taking of another life. And, and he may not have known that, uh, that, uh, that Olson had died at that point, but still, it, had, it was so traumatic. And yet there was none of that in his voice. Now, there was a, a big uh, pretrial hearing about these statements. And the um, prosecution wanted to use part of the statement, but not all of it. And um, the judge came down and said, no, it's either all of the statement or none of it. You don't get to pick and choose which pieces you put in, Mr. Prosecutor. So um, I am always against the prosecution, Ted, in self-defense cases, putting the statements of the defendant in during their case. I call it the the um, Zimmerman effect. George Zimmerman never testified in his case. He was successful in claiming self-defense. And that's because prosecutors chose to put his entire state, every statement he made, they put in evidence during their case. And, and so much of his statement was self-defense, self-defense. He explained what he did and why he did it without being cross-examined, not doing it live in front of the jury. And you can't allow these defendants to tell their stories without being cross-examined. And I, I hope that uh, prosecutors hold to their, to their um, convictions here and, and, and not put that statement in because there are pieces of that statement that allow Curtis Reeves to claim self-defense without testifying. And, and you can't let that happen. You got to put them up on the stand and you got to uh, take a shot at them on cross. Totally I don't think you put them on the stand if the whole thing comes in and they play the whole thing just for that reason, because there's nobody there that the individual who's interviewing him is, is law enforcement. They know that he's 
law enforcement and, and their strategy is to make him feel comfortable. But to the end of that, they do not ask him the hard questions. At no point do they say, really? Popcorn? Or are you kidding me? There was none. There was no challenge of him. And to allow the jury just to have that exposure without the cross would be a potential way to lose this case, even as ridiculous as that sounds, because who would think that you could just pull out your gun and shoot somebody after being the recipient of a bag of popcorn? You never know. You, you do never know. You, and you you don't want to give the defense um, their defense without them putting it in. I, I, I don't understand it, but I've seen it happen time and time again. When it happened in the Zimmerman trial, I was I was shocked. I was shocked by it because I really thought you put George Zimmerman on the stand live in front of the jury. You could really, really pick apart his story. But Ted, what you described in the way that Curtis Reeves was being interviewed was the same way George Zimmerman was being interviewed. And it's probably the right tact by investigators. You just want to keep them talking, 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 talking. That's your job. Your job is not to cross-examine them. That's the job of, of the DA. Or yeah. the prosecutor. Open up the mic and go for it. Go keep talking because now it, you, you, when confronted with, with what you said uh, to the investigators immediately afterward, is ridiculous moving forward when you're in a and you're called out on it. It's, it's very difficult. It's going to be very difficult for Reeves to get up there on the stand and say, well, I didn't, I, I didn't know what it was, but it was, I felt like my life was in danger. Really? Your life was in danger from a bag of popcorn I bet the popcorn theme it's the lightest of all snack foods i mean you're not going to get you can't kill anyone with popcorn it's just not going to happen and that is ridiculous on its face being confronted with it your former law enforcement shouldn't you have known better those types of questions didn't come out in the initial interview, but they absolutely would come out in the courtroom. Another thing that's going to be interesting, will the judge allow the fact that there was a big sign at the movie theater saying no firearms? Yet he walks in, breaks the law with his pistol in his back. Yeah, that that's an, another part of this. Uh, I don't know if there was special dispensation because he's former law enforcement to be able to uh, carry uh, We'll see if that rears its head. But the the reason you don't want weapons in the theater is exactly this scenario, is exactly this scenario. Now, the argument for it is you, you get one of those uh, movie theater shooters like you had out in Colorado, and then you've got someone who can defend. But shooting in a theater just, uh, I mean, inherently dangerous, right? Even even if you're, you're in, in the... And I'm not trying to um, attack people who defend themselves, but shooting in a in a dark movie theater, one thing that I've learned on my show from law enforcement who I have on time and time again, whenever they decide to use deadly force is you need to be aware of everything around you, your target, what's behind your target, et cetera. And in a dark movie theater, by by definition, you have no idea what's in there. So you're just you're just whipping out your gun and shooting in a darkened movie theater, which it, to me is 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 by itself not smart, not prudent, uh, completely reckless, uh, to say the least. I, I think Curtis Reeves, um, eight years later, while he while he was able to 
get more time and time with his family. I think the appetite for his defense will be a little bit reduced. And, and I think um, it's about de-escalation. And as law enforcement, I don't know if that could be used against him on cross-examination, but, you know, you were in law enforcement and you were trained how to de-escalate situations, right? That's what you, you, you try to do, right? And this was the opposite of de-escalation, Ted. And I think the public knows about de-escalation now. Absolutely. Yeah. From that standpoint, the time is not going to help him at all. Um, and, and I think if you, you know, close your eyes, put yourself in his position, you get hit by the guy that you've been complaining about with a bag of popcorn or whatever it is, you know, you, maybe you don't know for sure it's popcorn. What was it that motivated him to pull that gun? Was it a, oh my gosh, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. I'm scared for my life. I, I'm going to have to shoot this, this threat. Or is it, you son of a blank. And that was the motivation because if it's the latter, then that's not self-defense. That is hitting someone in the face, but because you're too cowardly to do that or too old or whatever you're going to come up with, you shoot him instead. But that came from anger, not from scare fear. And to get up on the stand and say, I did it because I was scared. Really? You were scared. You were scared. The guy with the gun, the guy who's been in career law enforcement. Really? You were scared. That doesn't make sense. And the video backs it up. Now, the, the video, again, I want to describe this for folks. It's, it's the classic surveillance video that we get in all these trials, Ted. It's, it's grainy. It, it shows you what's happening, sort of, but you don't see the whole picture. So you see Curtis Reeves in his seat. But then that's where the screen ends. So the next row where Chad Olson is with his wife is cut off. You don't see that part. So it's clear as you watch the video that at no point is Chad Olson directly like face to face with Curtis Reeves. And Curtis Reeves pulls out the gun as he's sitting back in his seat and you see nothing. You saw for like a, a flash that that hand arm coming through and then the arm is out of the screen which to me, if I'm the prosecutor, I'm going to argue, folks, there's, there, there's a natural barrier. They're in different rows. What he described to investigators that they were shoulder to shoulder and there was this physical confrontation didn't really happen. You saw what happened. Uh, a hand came in and, and grabbed the popcorn and threw it at him, and that was it. And then instantaneously, you see uh, Curtis Reeves' right arm grab the gun, pull it up, and fire all in one motion so quickly like a, like a really quick draw there Ted there wasn't there wasn't a pulling out and a like hey you know back off buddy none of that he pulled out the weapon and shot it at that moment um and and Ted you are so right it all comes down to his state of mind why did he do it and that is always the biggest challenge for prosecutors if you don't have like a text message planning a crime in a situation like this getting inside the head of Curtis Reeves. But inside of his, I, I just think the fact that he, it, how can you say you were scared if indeed you left your seat, went and complained and came right back? If you were truly frightened on any level, you would absolutely back down and move you and your wife to another part of the open theater to watch the rest of your movie. That's not what happened. He was right eager to get back. And as you said, with his, the, the wife 
of, of uh, Chad Olson is going to be key. And um, I, it's going to be, I, I believe that they have truth on their side and we'll, we'll watch it play out. You know, they're picking a jury and it's, it's going to be up to these men and women that are on this jury. But and I can't wait to watch this one. This one is going to be fascinating. Let me ask you this, Ted, because in self-defense, I always say it comes down to uh, for a jury to evaluate the situation and say, OK, who started this thing? Who started it? So in this case, I is the person texting the one who started it is the one who starts um, calling out the person who's texting. Is he starting it? Or is the person who throws the popcorn the one starting it, right? Because there's three different ways to look at it, right? There's the action, which is the texting. There's the reaction to the texting, which is, hey, stop texting, and then the argument ensues. And then there is the physical uh, confrontation, which I think is initiated by Chad Olson by throwing the popcorn. So when a jury looks at this, Ted, who do they, who do they say, all right, you're the one that started it. You started this whole thing. I, well, you're going to have different interpretations of it. The defense is going to definitely claim that the clock started when the popcorn was thrown. Uh, the, the rest of it was just simmering and no one was scared. Uh, of course, he went back to his seat. Why wouldn't he? He had just complained and he didn't think this was going to go physical. It was just an annoyance. Then um, he gets hit with this popcorn. He didn't know what it was. He just knew he got hit in the face with something dramatic and he reacted. The prosecution is going to say, uh-uh, this was Mr. Angry Old Man at the movie theater itching for a fight. He's been in law enforcement. He's been retired for too long, and he was looking for confrontation. And then when he got it, he responded in anger. It'll be another, we saw it with Edgecombe. When do you have a restart? When, you know, in that Edgecombe trial, there was a hit, and then there was a chase. Both sides had different versions of when the jury should play the blame or you know put the blame on the instigator and this is going to happen here we'll watch it play out yeah i i, I think that i think juries look at the whole situation you know and in each each fact scenario is a little different sometimes it's it's an argument sometimes it's a physical confrontation uh but to me i believe at the end of the day it will be clear to the jury that the situation was really started by curtis reeves that Curtis Reeves had some sort of a chip on his shoulder and, and took a simple uh, texting situation and, and turns it into something that it shouldn't have been. And I think that's going to be a problem because if you, if a jury believes that you're the one that's kind of starting things, you don't get to finish it with a gun. You don't get to finish it with a gun. Now, if, if things were turned around, right. And it was Olson who had the gun and Curtis Reeves, who, who ends up getting shot, and it's Olsen is texting, the guy says something, um, and then Olsen kind of comes at him, and, 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 you know, they get chin to chin or whatever. Um, you might have a different uh, situation, but here, uh, I, I really think that people are going to look at Curtis Reeves as the one who started it. You don't get to finish it, but ultimately you'll be the jury, and it's only six, Ted. Yeah, only six jurors because it's it's not a it's not a capital case down in Florida. You can have six. It's unusual on court TV, but very common down in 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 Florida. So should be theoretically easier for them to uh, reach consensus. Should, um, but you never know. You get a, a one person that disagrees. Uh, we've seen trials that went the other way with with six people on it that we thought would go. Henry Segura is one. I think this case, um, though, it, it does come down to the, what a lot of them do is with jurors. 
when you're on these juries, uh, you know, you talk to jurors and, and we've, we've seen it play out so many times, they put themselves in the place of the victim and they also put themselves in the place of the defendant. And when you do that in this case, you can see yourself being the victim in this one where you had some sort of skirmish with someone in a public scenario. Very rare, though. I, I don't know how many people you're going to have on that jury that are going to be like, oh, yeah, I could totally see myself pulling out my weapon that I carried with me to the date with my wife in a movie theater and blowing someone away. That is a different level of reaction that I don't know that jurors, you know, many jurors, potential jurors, would be able to um, relate to. It's just oddball behavior um, for, for many people. Now, yes, people do carry guns everywhere, but I, this is different. Ted Rowland's great analysis today, um, but you didn't get everything right. I'm checking the scorecard here. At one point, uh, you did say that popcorn is the least dangerous snack food. Um, cotton candy's not a snack food. Okay, I'm not going to say cotton candy. Uh, cheese doodles. Cheese doodles. Um, and, and I say that, Ted, because when you have popcorn, you know you may have a few of those hard kernels in there. And I think that makes all the difference. But uh, good job otherwise, Ted. <laughs> you can you can watch Ted Rollins, folks, every morning on Court TV. He starts the day for us. I finish it off. Uh, he starts at 9, and I, I bring it home at 8 p.m. Ted, thanks so much. Thank you, Vinny. When we come back, folks, um, stand your ground. This is another case where people are going to say, we need to get rid of stand your ground. And I will have to tell you once again why stand your ground is a good law. For more Court TV, watch it on cable, over the air, Roku, or go to CourtTV.com and stream live gavel-to-gavel coverage. Catch up on the big moments from our current cases and relive some of Court TV's most historic trials. Court TV, your front-row seat to justice. Stand your ground is a good law. It's a good law when it was written It's still a good law today. I know it has a bad reputation with some people, but that's because of how it is sometimes attempted, attempted to be used by criminal defense attorneys. Who again, criminal defense attorneys are just doing their jobs, folks. They're just doing their jobs. But the intention, the purpose, and the proper use of stand your ground is valid. Stand your ground uh, is, is saying, listen, folks, if you are somewhere where you are allowed to be, you are lawfully present somewhere, whether it's on the sidewalk, in a store, in your car, wherever you are, and you're just lawfully abiding uh, citizen, that is the person who is entitled to stand their ground, okay? So I'm walking down the street, and someone comes at me and starts attacking me. I am now the victim of an assault. I did nothing wrong. This person is coming at me. They've got brass knuckles, you know, maybe they got nunchucks, whatever they have. I've got a knife. I've got a gun. I can stand my ground and use lethal force, period. And the reason, the reason this became the law 
is because they put all these burdens on victims. Burdens. Burdens like, well, you should have ran away. Did you have a chance to run away? Well, if you didn't run away, then you had no right to defend yourself. What? What? Really? So I'm walking down the street, someone attacks me, and I have to run away from them? No, I can stand my ground. It's, it's the same concept as, as you being in your home. Someone breaks into your home, most jurisdictions around the country, you can take them out. This is my home. This is my castle. You break into my house. You take your life in your own hands. I'm, I'm entitled to defend my home, my family, and I can take your life. That's just the law. And, and what Stand Your Ground did is take that concept and you're allowed to take it with you. So it's not just when you're in your dwelling, when you're in your home, your condo, your co-op, your townhouse, your McMansion, but now I'm walking down the street. Now I'm at my friend's house. Now I'm somewhere else. And, and someone threatens my life. Puts me in, in fear. I can defend myself. And, and I can have a judge make that decision. And then that judge will immunize me from being prosecuted. That judge will immunize me from being sued. This is like, right? Someone comes and attacks me, and then I go after him, and then he sues me because of his hospital bills. Wait a minute. Why should I have to defend a lawsuit after, after you jumped me in the alley and tried to kill me? And I was just defending myself. That was the whole purpose of Stand Your Ground. It's a way to, to immunize people from being prosecuted criminally, from being civilly sued, because there was insanity in our courtrooms, because perpetrators, people who were, who were attacking others, were then filing civil lawsuits against them, trying to recover for their damages. That's like the guy who breaks into your house and then slips on the kitchen floor and says, oh, that's unbelievable. You, you, you should have wiped up that, 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 that puddle on the floor. It was very foreseeable that someone would slip on it, and I'm going to sue you. And, and people were doing it. And it's not just about winning or losing the lawsuit. It's about having to defend the lawsuit. That costs you time and money as well. So certain states came up with these laws and said, listen, we should, there should be no burden on a victim to have to figure out what to do in a moment where your, your life is in danger, you should be able to stand your ground and defend yourself. Now, this is where everyone um, gets upset, is that defendants who have killed someone many times will claim because they have no other defense, will claim stand your ground or will claim self-defense. They're entitled to do it. What it is, it's, it's criminal defense attorneys using the laws that are available to defend their clients, which they will always do and always should do. It's the only way the system works. But people read the headlines, oh, and, and, and they think that the stand your ground law is why the person did what they did. 
And it's not. It's not. I didn't. The person didn't kill them because it was stand your ground. They killed them because of, of whatever reason. And if they're legitimately standing their ground, they're defending themselves. See, stand your ground is 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 similar to a self-defense defense. The only difference is, is that you take it in front of a judge so you never have to face a jury and you never have to face a civil lawsuit. That was the purpose of it. The concept still exists. So even if you're in a, in a state that doesn't have the stand your ground law, they still have self-defense laws. And that was the case with Kyle Rittenhouse. There was no stand your ground law in, in Wisconsin, but there was self-defense. If there was stand your ground, he may very well have um, attempted to use stand your ground, gone in front of a judge, and, and a judge may have immunized him from criminal prosecution. And there never would have been a trial in front of a jury. And for people who are legitimately standing their ground, for people who legitimately are victims, it's a way for them to not risk being put in prison by a jury and not get sued and get bogged down by an action uh, to which you didn't, you didn't start, you didn't create it. You were merely standing your ground against someone who was attacking you and your family. So that's, that's why stand your ground is a good law. But don't, don't get down on stand your ground because criminal defense attorneys attempt to use it. Uh, take a look at the stats and how many of them successfully use it when their client was not legitimately standing his or her ground in an attack. Okay, you got to look at the facts of each one. I, I just don't, I hate those headlines where stand your ground is the creator of all evil and it's making, making our, our, our communities more dangerous. No, it's protecting the rights of victims. It was a law uh, designed to protect victims and does protect victims. But people who aren't victims try to use it. But do they use it successfully? And did they commit their, and the ones who didn't use, don't use it successfully, did they actually commit their crimes thinking, oh, this is stand your ground? No, no. It's their lawyers that are trying to apply it. Anyhow, those are my thoughts. You can disagree. Uh, and oftentimes people do on my show. I have a show every night from 8 to 11 on Court TV. Uh, we take a look at the big stories, big trials like this one. And uh, I bring on, uh, guests, criminal defense attorneys, and people who see things uh, sometimes the same way I do, but most of the time differently than I do. And we really uh, uh, pick apart um, not only the, the legal aspects of it, but the, the bigger picture on our system of justice. Now, to watch me, you have to have Court TV. Court TV is available uh, through a digital antenna. You can uh, scan it, rescan it, and you'll find us. You can also uh, check on CourtTV.com on the Find Us tab to figure out how to watch Court TV each and every day. Uh, I am Vinny Politan. Thank you so much for watching. And please tune into Court TV for uh, Florida versus Curtis Reeves to see how it all turns out. That's it for this week. I'm Vinny Politan. Don't forget to hug the kids. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.